With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. CJ Stroud returns and the Texans return to form. All that and more on this edition of the bullpen. And welcome to the bullpen. I am James Roy, and this is my co-host, Tom Chavaria. Tom, how are you doing today? It's a great, great day to be a Texan fan. Let me tell you, it's it's really exciting to know exactly what's in front of this team. I don't think anybody, you, myself, anybody thought they'd be here. But here we are, and there, there's a lot to talk about, and uh, let's do it. It's a great time to be alive. I mean, just one more win and the Texans are in, but we're here to talk about the Texans-Titans matchup, which went, I think, about as you'd expect. There's been a lot of talk all season. We've talked about it, how there's certain opponents the Texans face where the fan base is like, why are we respecting this opponent? Like, you know, you're giving them too much credit. We're going to go in and crush them, and the game doesn't quite go like that. And while the offense didn't exactly blow the doors off, I mean, it was a very run-of-the-mill offensive performance. CJ was very good in his return, but it wasn't like anything special. The Texans as a whole, you know, handled the Titans 26 to three, whether you want to believe it or not, is a pretty solid, you know, is what a lot of Texans fans wanted to see against other teams. And it's pretty much the first time since they played, you know, the, the Jaguars and the Steelers early in the season that we've seen this Texans team thoroughly control a game throughout. Do you, so, I mean, what do you make of it? Do you think that this is this is just a reflection of playing the Titans, or do you think that this is a sign of what's to come next week in the primetime against the Colts? I think this this game was more about just the absolute separation between the Titans and the Texans. I don't believe that C.J. Stroud and this offense looked the way they did because they, they, there was there was some rust or anything to that nature. I just think, like you spoke to, they thoroughly dominated this team in all three facets of the game, and they didn't. The Texans, for for one of the few times, 
all season long, they did not have to show their power. Um, I, got, I had a great supervisor in the military. That was his line. You know, we're not going to show them our power. The Texans didn't have to do that. CJ Stroud had a 200, I think it was 213 yard game. And he basically didn't even really play the entire fourth quarter. Like they did their work early. They got out in front. They handled their business. They controlled the Titans. The Titans were never in this game. This is, this is the evolution that we'd hope to see from the Texans one day. Now, I think a lot of this has to do with the differences between the two teams, right? One's clearly ascending. One's kind of descending. And, you know, the Titans really just couldn't muster that kind of fight. The one bright spot that they've had kind of this season, Will Levis, he gets knocked out of the game, and then it just got worse and worse and worse. Tannehill did not look good, and the Titans just looked rudderless. I mean... So for the Texans to be able to control that and and go at their pace and be able to get Davis Mills in the game, it was just an awesome, awesome display. When you spoke to it, and I also spoke to it from you know different angles, I spoke to how the pass rush was going to be very vital to the Texans holding this Titans team down as CJ returned, not really knowing what we were going to get from him um, and understanding how the previous game went against the Titans. This was a Texans pass rush that was going to have to kind of you know bombard the Titans offense, and they did that. You know, six sacks in a game. Sheldon Rankins with a fumble recovery for a touchdown. The defense dominated, you know, and did really well. One thing I'd like to talk about though is the offense um, specifically. So we talked about CJ. CJ, you know, 213 yards and a touchdown. Like I said, not anything that jumps off the page. It is a very, I don't want to say game manager esque because CJ made a lot of impressive plays throughout the game. But it's like you said, we didn't really have to show the Titans what we had. But we, you know, I think that if you're watching the stat sheet. You, you say what I've been saying the whole episode and you go, well, it's, you know, it doesn't really jump off the page. But if you watch the game, you saw the plays that CJ made and you saw the reads he made and you think, okay, CJ's back. We just didn't really, you know, there was nothing that called for him to throw 300 yards and three touchdowns. The whole rest of the game, every aspect of the game worked in its own way to make sure that CJ, you know, he took one sack and he just didn't really have to do too much. But what he did was impressive. So I, I, to speak to the rest of the offense, Nico Collins, 80 yards receiving, uh, or Robert Woods had caught four of the five passes thrown to him for 50 yards. Um, what, what do you make of this receiving core going into next week? Do you think that like, or I guess, what do you draw from their performance this week? Do you think that they maybe helped CJ or do you think you saw them improve as a product of CJ returning? The energy was definitely with them. You saw them with a little more pep in their step. Nico looked expressive, expressively. He looked uh, impressively sharp on some of his routes, some of the catches he was able to make. The one word that I want to use for this, this wide receiver core is wounded because Robert Woods left the game. Noah Brown left the game. So I hope those guys can get back. That's going to be a really interesting uh, topic going into next week if they are shorthanded in the wide receiver room. I think you saw some things from John Mechie a couple times that, that you know, I feel are, are, are things to build on. Obviously, every time he gets the, the, the ball in his hands, you hope that that's going to lead to more touches, more progression. Um, I'm curious just, just how far along he is as far as physically – uh, to be able to play enough snaps to be really productive. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, another guy, uh, we saw him on the end of the round. We saw him get a couple of routes. Um, 
it's really going to be interesting to see uh, just just what they have available. I think one positive in the passing game that uh, I hope they build on, I hope they use the tight ends. Brevin Jordan looked really, really good. Dalton Schultz, he's been good all season long. So if they're going to be shorthanded uh, at, in the wide receiver area, I hope that the tight ends be, is something that they can lean on to help Nico Collins, to help free him up. Because clearly, Nico looks so good. I, th- I think he would have had 100 yards easy if they needed him to. I think I think CJ would have had 300 yards if they needed him to. They just didn't need that sort of offensive output, and they just kind of kept the Titans at, at arm's length the entire game. So uh, I, I love what I saw. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, I agree with you. The tight ends are going to be vital. One thing that sticks out to me, you mentioned Mechie and you mentioned Hutchinson. Those are both guys that I think any fan of the Texans will tell you they want to see do well. And I don't want to say they've had like unlimited opportunities, but with the way this receiving court is shaped up late in the season, there have been games where they were given targets and they were given a chance to step up. And when the, sp- the spotlight you know, shined bright, it maybe it shined a little too bright. And so I think if there was ever a game for those two guys to step up, it's probably against the Colts. I mean, it's it, you know we're entering in the coming weeks. We're, we're already in it. We're in the playoff atmosphere. This week was basically a must-win game. And next week against the Colts, it's win or go home. So the Texans are, are essentially playing foot, playoff football right now and have been. So th- if there was ever a moment for those guys to step up, um, that would be huge. Another option, if Noah Brown and, and Robert Woods can't come back, is maybe uh, Jarvis Landry is a name I've, I've seen thrown around. I don't know what other free agent wide receivers are available that could uh, step in and immediately make an impact. Maybe they look to the practice squad for Jared Wayne, um, if he's still on the practice squad. I mean, I, I, I thought I saw that he got cut. So, um, But, I mean, it was an impressive performance. But looking into the run game, Damien, or sorry, Devin Singletary passed a thousand yards all purpose, um, had 80 rushing yards. What, what was your takeaways from his performance in this game? Do you feel like that once again, the Texans just didn't really need to lean on him? You, it was, was his performance very adequate in your eyes or where are you at with Devin Singletary's performance? I think Devin Singletary was great. I think early on in the game, he established the run. They made that, uh, something you had to respect and then I think, like I said, towards the end of the game, they really just kind of did a good job of, of milking the clock, just trying to get out of town, trying to keep everybody healthy. I think you saw Damian Pierce get some carries, which we hadn't seen in the past few weeks. So I think that I was really good. saw him run away from contact um, on a few plays, which was nice to see. Oh, did, did he run through the middle or did he run to the outside? I'm, I'm curious. He, was, he, he was handed the ball up the middle. He saw the linebacker and bolted to the right and got six yards on a play. And I, my jaw dropped to the floor. I was shocked. I don't think that's a, a Damian Pierce thing. <laughs> I think I think the play was set up to go that way. I, I I've been his biggest trying to go up the middle like they usually give it to him, and he bounced it out, and it was a really good run. And and I feel like that's what we got from Damian Pierce last year was was this and it's. Well, a scheme thing. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm not trying to trash talk Damian Pierce, but I feel like with the way the scheme has shifted, his ability to like his vision has been impaired by the scheme. I don't think it's a skill thing on his part. I think it's a learning curve with the way the Texans have decided to go offensively. And I think that he's adjusting. And I think that this past game gave us gave us a glimpse into what it looks like when Damian Pierce is adjusted to the offense that the Texans are running. I, I truly feel that it's just going to be more upon getting better interior offensive linemen, that and too. then you're going to see you're going to see a lot 
of the running game open up, they just don't block through the middle. You you see Singletary go through the middle. Rarely does he, I mean, if they're, if they open a hole, then yes, he's a bolt of lightning, but you see a lot of runs that are one yard, no yards, minus one yard, whatever. And, um, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that Singletary is the answer or that Pierce is the problem. I think it's a greater thing. Singletary's look great, and I hope they bring him back. I hope he's uh, a long-term fixture. I, I think there's definitely room for both of those guys to be together. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just biased. Maybe, maybe that's a hot take on my end. I don't know. Um, the running back. I, I clearly, he wasn't. He wasn't enough for Buffalo to keep him around because they drafted a guy and let, let him go. Well, the running back room is serviceable for the Texans as is, and I'll always hold to it that finding a running back in the draft. Um, you know, in general, fixing a running back position is not the most difficult thing to do on an NFL roster. So a lot of teams will let it slip until they get to a point where they need it. And right now the Texans, you know, could very much become in need of that in the near future. And that brings me to, you know, I watched the Rose Bowl today, um, on, on this victory Monday, as you guys are listening on Tuesday. Um, and I saw Blake Corum from Michigan. Do you think that the Texans could potentially look to add another running back to this running back room in the second or third round. I think it's very feasible and very possible that they could decide to stick with the running back room as is going forward. I don't, I don't see a huge problem with the running back room as it is simply because we can assign the blame to scheme and, and blocking for why the running back room has not performed to the level we want it to. I would tell you if they're going to add a running back, it's going to be in a six, seven, eight round type thing. Like, I'm sorry, five, six, seven. It'll be, it'll be a, you're aging yourself with that eighth round thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's okay. (laughs) I'll own that one. Um, yeah, there's no way you're, you're, you're using a high, uh, you know, draft pick on a running back when you have these two guys. Now, Singletary goes on and, and does something else and they need a running back that, that maybe, maybe that is a reason. But if they're able to retain him with Damian Pierce, I don't see it. I mean, the third the third running back on on any other team, you're not really valuing that guy. Like, who's the third running back for the Miami Dolphins? I is mean, he, I know so it, but Mostert, a, a chain, and then the third is uh, uh, he, he exactly. Was, is it Pirine? It's Jeff Wilson. Pirine Pirine is, I think, the. He was on the uh, Bengals, but I don't know the, where he is now. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was still there. So I, I don't thought know. he left the Bengals for a different team. I could be wrong. In, in any case, when we, when we can't pinpoint the third running back, it should tell you that he's not that critical. And like, yeah, you got to have the the, the the first two. So I, I mean, for me, my draft my draft needs are going to be trenches, offense, defense, trenches, and then whatever else. A, a, a stud wideout would be nice. The games are won in the trenches. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think that uh, Tavondre Sweat, I mean, some of those bigger defensive linemen in the draft would definitely be worthwhile picks. I think that offensive line is something the Texans go later in the draft just because you get better value later in the draft at offensive line, as we found from Jarrett Patterson. Um, the earliest pick we made and on the offensive line, you know, Juice Scruggs has been quite all right. Um, but obviously our, our worst pickup in recent draft history was, you know, uh, Kenyon Green in the first round, so I, I don't see them 
expending high draft capital on the offensive line. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. And you, you know how much I don't like talking about the draft when the Texans are playing meaningful football. So we'll get back to talking about the Texans playing meaningful football. Um, th- this Titans team did not give the Texans a lot of reason to be concerned on either side of the ball. What do you make of this defensive performance? Like we talked about earlier, six sacks, fumble recovery. Um, I mean, just an overall dominant performance. There was one stretch towards the end of the first half where the Titans kind of moved the ball a little bit. And then other than that, it seemed like they were pretty stagnant. So one, what do you make of their performance today? And two, do you think that the, 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 do you think that the defense can carry this performance into next week against Indianapolis? I think the performance next week is going to be an entirely different matter altogether for the simple fact that Tennessee's offensive line is just incredibly bad. Uh, two weeks ago, there was a similar uh, defensive explosion against Tennessee in Tennessee. So I, it's hard for me to put a lot of stock in it. It's hard for me to talk about it. I mean, they beat a bad team. I mean, we could, we could pick it however you want to pick it, but Tennessee's really bad and they proved it. <laughs> I don't know how they won five games, but they're yeah, really bad. Um, they have zero offensive line. I, I, I thought Traylon Burks would be a guy they try to target because, you know, Hop they would have to sing- see him actually do well. Yeah. Well, I mean that too, but, but you know, that's your young guy you're trying to, to, to cultivate. They threw to him a handful of times. It really wasn't impressive. Like, Levis didn't have any time. Tannehill didn't have any time. Jerry Hughes was 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 a problem. Barnett was a problem. I mean, these are older guys. You know, Barnett was on the street. Like, credit to to the Texans defense. I'm not I'm not here to dog the Texans for beating a bad team, but they were warming I up. Can't, I can't Willis on the sidelines. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they they. I mean, they they were really aggressive. Will Anderson only played 20 snaps. Got two sacks and six pressures. Like. I mean, Let, one minute. Let's talk about that. So, Will Anderson, back-to-back sacks against Tannehill. Um, he breaks the rookie sack record for the Texans, which is set by JJ Watt at five and a half. There are a lot of people that will step out and say that seven sacks isn't enough to justify the um, the amount of draft capital spent on him. And to clarify, the amount of draft capital that was spent on Will Anderson was a second-round pick that some will equate to a first-round pick because it was so close to the first round, but it was a second-round pick. And then a first-round pick, which was a pick swap, up to the third pick. So that technically is just a pick swap. And then a first-round pick in the next year and a third-round pick. That was the draft capital that was given up. And some people who like to watch the stat sheet and don't like to uh, consider the impact of a player overall, these are the same people that will tell you that Miles and- – they'll show you a highlight reel of Miles – not Anderson, Miles Garrett not getting sacks and take away from it that Miles Garrett you know, was shut down in that game – when the attention that he drew during the snaps that he played was enough to give his fellow defensive lineman opportunities to get sacks on the quarterback and generate the, you know generate those opportunities and what he does cannot be downplayed. Um, but looking at what Will Anderson has done so far, I, I'll ask you the question, knowing good and well what your answer is. It's probably the same as mine. Um, where do you where are you at on on his value relative to what was traded to get him? I, to be honest with you, I don't necessarily care. Like the, the people that want to make a big deal out of the Will Anderson thing have entirely too much time on their hands. In, in the end, if the Texans are winning, yes, you, you, you want Will Anderson to be a part of it. 
And yes, you want the sacks to match. You know what I mean? You you want the stats to equal whatever the value of the draft was. You want the the the, the stats to equal what his paycheck is. But for me, if he's impacting this defense and they're productive and they're winning and they're dominating this and that, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't understand why we have to have to have that satisfaction going, oh yeah, that was a great trade, or oh no, that was a horrible trade. It's it's fine for me that you 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 he needs to be like all-time great because he's a third pick in the draft. There's busts left, right, up, and down. Uh, who was it? Was it Kayvon Thibodeau that was drafted not too long ago? He's and, good. And he, it exactly. Took him time, but he's good. But that's the thing. Early on, oh, it's a bust. It's like there's no way that like the book can't be wrote for a guy in the first season. I'm going to name a, new, you a couple of, of defensive linemen that are elite right now that had the same amount of sacks as Will Anderson does right now before the season is over in their first season. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Those are names. Those are the names right there. Those are both guys that had seven sacks in their rookie season. So I, I don't get what we're talking about. I mean, I feel like you're living in the future, Tom, right? And, and a lot of Texans fans are still living in, in this poverty mentality of being a fan of a team that's not any good. And when, when your team's not good, all you have to talk about is the fact that they traded this many picks or they made these moves that, that poverty teams have to make in order to get out of poverty because you have to spend money to make money. You have to spend – draft picks are, give, give fans – you know, and, and I'm guilty of it. When you have this many draft picks from trading Deshaun Watson, you now have that potential. The Rockets are in the same situation still where you know they're getting better but everyone's like well we got all these nets picks and there's all this potential but until that potential is realized on the court that's all it is and some people are content to live with that potential and they'll complain and, and just gripe anytime that that potential is traded away to win right now they're like this team's not in a in a situation to win right now this team's not good enough and and even throughout the season as the texans I, i've told you my expectations have shifted throughout the season this texans team can win right now. They've they've shown the ability. I have full faith they can beat the Colts this weekend and play a playoff game this season. And we still got fans talking about how the rebuild is is it's too early in the rebuild. What rebuild? The Texans are not rebuilding. And so, I mean, a, a comparable situation. The 49ers have been deep in the playoffs for the past two seasons straight. You know what they traded three for legitimately three first round picks for? They traded three first round picks for Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a backup quarterback for the Cowboys right now. They've got Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft, starting for them. And, and you know who's not talking about how many draft picks the 49ers wasted? If you're a poverty team, that's that's malpractice by your GM. And he should be fired because if that doesn't work then and you don't win games, then you fire John Lynch. But guess what? John Lynch is still gainfully employed by the 49ers. And you know why? Because he found a way. He made the move he needed to. You, you, you have to make those moves when you're in poverty to try and get out of it. And if it works, it does. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, then you lose your job, right? But but if you don't make that move, you get fired. So I mean, John Lynch did what he had to do. You know, Nick Casario is doing what he has to do. He is making waves, and it's working. So I agree with you. I don't see why, as Texans fans, we have to have this conversation every time that Will Anderson does or doesn't perform in a game about how much we spent on Will Anderson. When I mean, and, and honestly, Will Anderson is doing far better than Trey Lance ever will in the NFL. So we paid far less 
for a player that is in a lesser position relative, you know, I, I'm comfortable saying that the value of a, a defensive end relative to a quarterback is lower. But that being said, he's doing far better at that position than Trey Lance will ever do in the NFL. So I don't get why we're complaining about it when this team has already shown early signs of success, you know, earlier than they probably ever should have. Right. So I, I, I agree with you. I'm we're in the same boat there, but looking at Jonathan Grenard, how vital do you think it is moving forward to next week that Jonathan Grenard can return? He missed this week. What did you see from the defensive line against the Titans that, that makes you believe he is either vital to return or that we maybe can get by without him against the Colts? I mean, you want to be as healthy as you can. Grenard's been a good football player all season long. I, I, I don't ever want to go. We don't need anybody. You know what I mean? Like Robert Woods, it's probably not the be all and end all on Saturday, but I want Robert Woods in the lineup. You know what I mean? I want oh, yeah. full complement of players. So, regardless of what Jerry Hughes did, regardless of what Barnett did, I want Grenard on the field if I can have him. I mean, I'd rather have too much than not enough. That's always the way I'm going to live. And and I hope that everybody's healthy and everybody plays. And, and then we see what, what really happens. Obviously, like I've said before, I, I don't really want to base my opinions on what the Texans and the Colts is going to look like based on how the Texans looked against the Titans because the Titans are worlds apart from the Colts. So, I mean... This the I mean the Texans looked not great the first time they played the Colts, and uh, that's with Minshew coming off the bench, you know what halfway through the first quarter and then just balled out. So uh, they're going to have plenty of time to pre- prepare for him, and Minshew's going to have plenty of time to prepare for them. So it'll it'll be an interesting game. I think it's going to be very close. Uh, we'll see when we get to talking about it. Yeah, we'll see. And if you want to hear us talk about the Texans-Colts matchup, that episode will be dropping on Friday. So make sure you subscribe and that you're you're locked on to the, uh, the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you're receiving this. Um, make sure you got, you're ready for that because we're going we're gonna to really dive deep. This is probably one of the most important games the Texans have ever played in their history. Just setting the tone here. I think I, I, I don't want to trump it up too much, but I mean, I feel like and hear me out here because Tom's already laughing at me like I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm like Chicken Little, you know, and the sky is falling here. But um, I mean, when you look at how the tone is set and, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers are comparisons you make um, and guys that came in in their rookie seasons, they had time to sit on the bench. They didn't do what CJ Stroud did. They didn't have to come in in their rookie season and play ball because they had time to sit and learn. But those guys came in. In, in the seasons that are essentially their redshirt seasons. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers redshirted a few years before he came in. But anyways, they came in and immediately set the tone of get, making the playoffs. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes has never missed the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers is going to miss it this year. But, I mean, you know, not much he can do about that. Um, but when you set that tone of, I am an elite quarterback, and when I play for my team for most of the games in the season, they make the playoffs, that's, like, huge. And so... To have that opportunity this early in C.J. Stroud's career, I just think it's vital. I mean, there there have been more important games that have been washed down for the or watered down for the Texans based off of injuries, based off of circumstances that happened earlier in their seasons. And this is a time where Stroud did miss time, but he's back, and the Texans have him. 
And if he wins here, this is a Texans team that I firmly believe can at least give a, a playoff team a run for their money and, and stay in a game long enough to let us be happy that they made the playoffs. Um, it's not going to look like, you know, Georgia, Florida State or Georgia TCU, uh, where the Texans make the playoffs and get the wheels blown off them, right? So this this is an exciting time. I don't mean to be the chicken little of t- the Texans fandom running around saying, this guy is falling. This is the most vital playoff game that we've ever, or most vital game. This is playoff atmosphere. But like, I mean, in my mind, this is, this is an insanely important game uh, with the primetime lights and the whole nation finally getting to see the Texans play ball. And I, I'm just, I mean, I'm letting my fandom show through. And I'm getting a little overhyped probably, but I mean, that's just where I'm at. So yeah, tune in on Friday for that. Um, The last thing I want to talk about for this week's matchup that was significant in my eyes is Jalen Petrie. A lot of people kind of, I don't want to say gave up on him. There's that one Michael Irvin video that goes around where it's like, no, no one believes that you can do this. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have the whole video memorized, but it felt like there was a lot of Texans fans that kind of said, oh, Petrie's benched. He's finished. After such a great rookie season where he relied on tackles, what, what do we have in Jalen Petrie? We should have drafted Kyle Hamilton. All this, you know, I don't, I, some of it feels like clickbait, but uh, a lot of, you know, what's up with Jalen Petrie? Why is he not the guy we thought he was? What do you make of his performance today? Would you say that it was kind of like a, hey, I'm back. I never left. I'm here, or, or what do you make of what Jalen Petrie did for the team during this game? I think it's just more about his maturation. It's more about his growth. I don't think that uh, when he got sat last week or the week before last, I guess, um, it was a, an indictment on him. I think that these are teachable moments that you can see that they're like, look, we want you to understand for the long-term you know, goal to make him a better player. And he's, he's being very receptive. Uh, they put him back in the lineup. He performed. I think these things are good that D'Amico and his team can do that with these players, that they're not too big for it, that, that no, I'm, I'm a starter. I have to start. You can't sit me. I need to be out there. These, these are things that they're able to sit them back, teach them, you alluded to the Rockets earlier. Uh, Ime Odoka is doing the exact same thing with Jalen Green. And when That's you a good look, at I like the, that. I, when you look at these guys uh, receiving that that coaching, receiving that teaching, and going, "Okay, coach, talk to me, show me, teach me," it's only going to make Jalen Petrie a better football player. So for the fans that that you know are like, "Oh man, they 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 blew this pick," I, I think that you know that. They just have to sit back and let it marinate a little bit. This is year one. I know you don't like to do that. I, you just had this long, you know, this is the greatest playoff game environment ever. This is year one. I think they they, they want what we want. The team will tell you they did it in their postgame presser. We want we want higher expectations. We understand that, that we have the place we want to go. We want to get there. Our fans want to get there. Everybody wants to get there. But at the same time, I would preach patience. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Kansas City didn't win the Super Bowl year one. Kansas City did not take down all the juggernauts, Tom Brady and them, year one. Tom Brady didn't win the Super Bowl year one. The guy, the guys that, that he did win the Super Bowl his his rookie year. No, I mean he didn't start his rookie year. Well, he did come in as a rookie in the playoffs and 
and you know, and late in the season and and win. So you're going to give him that. Cre- well, that that's a different story. I, I would not give him credit for that. Like like Bledsoe got him there. You know what I mean? It, this is not. These are well, for me. The it's out. This is that Brady stepped in in the next seasons and proved that, he, that it wasn't a fluke. If oh, Brady sure. just won that one Super Bowl and then like was trash and never took off as a quarterback, but we know what Tom Brady is. So like his rookie yeah. season and him stepping up is not, I, I will, it's not, it, it's a disservice to Drew Bledsoe to not talk about what he did for that team to get them there. But Tom Brady did win. It, it's not like he didn't win the Super Bowl his rookie year just because he only played in the postseason that year. Like, I mean, it, it's for me that that's, it's different, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I pinch feel hit, where you're coming I from. I got okay. the hit. Cool. I, I I know where you're coming from there. To 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 shoulder the load for you know 17 games or whatever, and then get the win. That for me, that's that's a little different. But I said all that to say this: I believe that this team has has the makings of something great, dynasty esque. Obviously, things can 100%. happen. You know, uh, injuries. You know, bad draft picks oversigned players, you name it. All these things can happen. But the foundation with where these guys are mentally in their headspace and the coaching, these guys want to run through a brick wall for these coaches, like that's exciting. And and for me, nothing they do the rest of this season is going to detract from that, uh, this game included. This game, they could go out, be overmatched. I mean, it's on the road. You know they could have a game, a great game plan for the Texans. I'm not, I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying it could happen, and I would not belittle the season or my 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 excitement for the future. I'm not the gonna, Texans, I'm not gonna. Go ahead. Oh, the Texans are ten and thirty-two and one against the Colts. They have won four games in their entire history in Indianapolis, which, as we all know, is approximately twenty games um, that they have played in Indianapolis. So not not a great situation to be walking into but but to, to speak to your conversation on Jalen Petrie I mean I I agree with you I mean he um I think he falls victim to the same thing that Damian Pierce does in a lot of ways where there are certain players that during an off year for the Texans stepped up and looked really good and were really the few, the lone bright spots in the organization but what did you know Damian Pierce benefit from a scheme that was very much in his favor what did uh, you know, Jalen Petrie benefit from, I think a lot of people would tell you that he's a lot better in the box. He's a very aggressive safety. And that's why a, a lot of the sources of frustration with him this season come from the fact that Stingley has had to cover for him. And a lot of times he gets blown, blown away deep because he's a bit too aggressive in, in moments. And so, you know, the whole 147 tackles in his rookie year is impressive. But as I know from playing dynasty fantasy football, I got him on my dynasty fantasy football team for IDP because tackles are two points and he has a lot of those. And it turns out that the logic for starting defenders in IDP is very simple. Nine times out of 10, if that defender plays on one of the worst teams in the league, he's going to, his defense is going to spend a lot of time on the field and you know, they got to make a tackle at some point. Maybe they don't, but you know, a lot of those defenses will play so much odds are they're going to get a lot of tackles. So to use the tackle stat and be like, well, Jalen Petrie was so good. Look at all the tackles he had in his rookie year. It's like, yeah, he looked good in a lot of other areas and he's a second round pick and he, he deserved that a hundred percent. And I'm not going to detract from what Jalen Petrie is, but a lot of the reason that some Texans fans um, thought he was really good last year is a source is sourced by the Texans being bad. So as the Texans improve as a team, he's got to find other ways to contribute that are not, you know, getting tackles because the defense is constantly on the field. 
Instead, he's got to shine through in other ways, and he has had that happen in games this season. He has not had a 100% bad season. He has just had a, a taken a step back relative to last season in a lot of people's eyes, and I think a lot of people are looking too heavily at, well, he's not contributing on the stat sheet. You know, There are things he's doing wrong, like getting beat deep because he's aggressive, and that, once again, could probably be attributed to how this defensive scheme has changed around a safety that played really well in the scheme last year. It, just like this defensive scheme change has benefited Derek Stingley Jr. in a lot of ways, um, it has maybe not so much benefited Jalen Petrie. So that's something to keep in mind moving forward. But I do think he had a solid game. He did not, you know, he was not the bane of the Texans defense's existence. And as we all know, looking at the score, the Titans did not score a single touchdown. So it's hard to say anyone on the defense did a bad job just based off of that. Um, but I mean, I, I think I saw it. He had, um, oh, the Texans shared some sort of stat graph and, and highlighted Jalen Petrie in a way. So, I mean, he, he didn't have a bad game. Um, I, I, from what I saw, he was, he wasn't cut out of position a whole lot. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's good and it's important that he does get good because the Texans are going to definitely need that moving forward. But do you have any final thoughts before we we bring this recap to a close and, and move into the future, the most vital game in the Texans' entire existence. With the two players you just talked about, and, and I'll, I'll kind of close with that, I think one thing that you know needs to be kind of expressed, and, and I really think people need to look at it, is these two positions in both that offense and that defense are required to do so much more intellectually, you know, where – it's 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 more uh, uh, it's more you have more on your plate than I think they had in in past seasons. Uh, Damian Pierce spoke to it in the post game when he when he kicked when he did the kickoff return two weeks ago. It, it's just it's just a lot more on your plate that you have to digest. There's more uh, data. There's more responsibility. There's more vernacular, whatever the case may be. And I, I the safety position for, for a D'Amico Ryan's defense is no different. So while it's easy to critique them because they're not living up to the standards you held for them in years prior, you also have to understand that for them to go into this new offense, defense, whatever, and be counted on for so much more, it's they're they're growing uh I guess their 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 growth rate isn't going to be what Stingley is, where it's basically okay. I'm going to put you on an island over here, or you maybe have one read over there, or it's not going to be the same with with like Singletary, who's been in similar offenses, who's been in the league for six years, who's had to digest so much more and had all the different playbook uh, options afforded to him and and defense or uh, blocking responsibilities, things of that nature, and. I think the patience that you need to show them is, is going to it's going to be more rewarding because I think both of them are good players and they can get to the level that we want them to get to, and when they do, you're going to be like, "Wow, I can't believe I ever doubted them." So that for me, that's that's how I feel about both of those guys. I think they're great. I think the Texans are in a great spot, and we're going to have a lot to talk about for a long time with this team. Hopefully, we'll have a lot to talk about this season. We'll be. You know, I, I mean, it could very well be that we recap the Colts game and then go into off-season mode, but my hope is is that we recap the Colts game and talk about the Texans matchup with insert team that is playing in the AFC playoffs here. So 
Um, yeah, but I couldn't have said it better myself. I think you really hit the nail on the head. Um, thanks for listening to today's show. Um, we really appreciate you tuning into the bullpen to get your Texans fix. Um, I have been James Roy. You can find me on social media at N1TexansFan. And this has been Tom Chaparria. You can find him on X, as he loves to refer to it, almost exclusively. I mean, he's basically forgotten that it was once called Twitter. Um, <laughs> no, he, he calls it Twitter exclusively. He uh, almost has never really known that it was changed to X in a way, except for every time he clicks into the app. Um, but you can find him on, on Twitter at Third Coast Tom. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, the PSF app, we're on that. You can tune in. Tom was on it for New Year's Eve. Vader and AD are going to be on for this Texans-Colts matchup in the primetime. Uh, so go ahead and download the app. Join the community. Uh, and yeah, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, stay classy, Houston. Vamos, Texans. Thanks for tuning in to The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen. Pick the hand up. Stroud. Looking. Stroud.